Okay. Uh, so, yeah, time again if there are any questions that feel relevant to your practice or to anything that's been said about the framework or any, any anything about the detail that we've covered at all. I have maybe just a few things I'd, I'd like to throw in as well, but why don't we start with some questions. Uh, is that Lawrence? No, it's Andy. Andy, yes. Ah, yeah, why don't we do it with the mic, then it's, uh, it's easier. Thanks. <coughs> uh, yeah, this was a question, Rob, about um, uh, the difference or the similarity and the contrast between kind of tuning in to the, the nimitta or the, the qualities of the jhana um, which feels kind of, to me at least, like kind of quite probey, um, and sort of, you know, it's almost like, um, what do they call it, you know, um, keyhole surgery. You know, it's almost like, like kind of getting in into the into the quality amid all the all the other stuff around it. Um, and then, yeah, but also finding the need for something more expansive. So, you know, I've, I've been trying to play with it, like almost conceiving it as, as listening to those qualities. Um, so rather than a kind of probing in, a kind of listening, a tuning, I think you said something about trying to hear a noise, um, you know, faint noise in the, in, in, in amid lots of other noise. Um, yeah, because it, it feels like I need to open more. And yet the, the very active kind of fine-tuning um, feels... Yeah, the opposite of that. Yeah, thank you. So are you talking in particular about this uh, space of peacefulness that opened for uh, you? No, um, ah. but with the first genre as well. Ah, okay. Um, Actually, probably more, more with the peacefulness. More with the peacefulness? More, with, more what I'm saying now relates to the peacefulness. Yeah, so it does. Yeah, yeah. okay, good. Is, this, is my sound okay? Can you hear at the back? Yeah. Um, yeah. Correct. Um, it, it, it's both, you know. So I don't. Sometimes there's a. G g sometimes the probing is a concentration thing, literally, like how much attention can there be in a small amount of area. But then there's also the probing with the sense of can I really get the sense of this, you know? And then with the opening, there's also, as you say, it's. A, I don't quite know what would be that thing I said about what would be the best analogy, that thing I said about listening for a sound, there's lots of sounds and there's just some particular sound I'm listening to, maybe that's, that's a quality, you're actually not scrunching anything up, you're sort of opening more, it's like your antennae are just becoming more sensitive within that openness. So yeah, those, those two modes will, will be important and, and you, you can play between them. What happens sometimes in the, with the peacefulness is, um, Where the, uh, how, how to put it, like, w sometimes what happens is there's, there's a, I'll get into this when we talk more about the peacefulness, sometimes what happens is there's a very, a very large peacefulness, actually, and it's even larger than the, than the, the you know, the energy body size. Um, and depending on where you are, we want to spend more or less time in that. But at the beginning of the peacefulness, it's probably more an energy body size. But you can still open up the attention wide. And it's really like, almost like, imagine, it's a kind of realm, it's a large realm, where you're, where you're almost listening to the music of the realm. So there's very subtle, exquisite, quiet music there. 
this is a metaphor, yeah. Um, and that's more open, and the whole thing can feel more open. Other times you can, just as the first journey, you pick a place where it seems strongest and you kind of burrow into it, probe into it, yeah. But sometimes what else can happen is, and it might be after you've just l lost it for a bit, or it might be in as you're getting into it more, there's almost like, there can be almost like, um, how would we describe this? Like, it's almost like, uh, what would a word be? Um, like a filament of something, a filament of that piece. Uh, so spatially, it's relatively, you don't know where you're going to find it in the energy body space. But it might, it can tend to be more lower down in the body. But it's a kind of, it's, it's as if a, a, a filament sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of some kind of organism, sort of, sort of uh, you know, simple organism that has these filament-like things that what would be... Uh, anemone? Do they have them? Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so... Um, but it's f it's so it's physical, okay. So the other thing to add here, and we'll get to it more when we talk about the the, the third jhana more, is um, sometimes you're talking about a, a, a point in space that you're probing more. Sometimes you're more open. Sometimes you're more tuning into the mental quality of phys of peacefulness, and sometimes you're more tuning into the physical quality of peacefulness. Ideally, we want those two to blend. But what it means at any time in your responsive play and working, it's like, w w what do I pick up here? And if in doubt, pick up the physical one first. Yeah? And so that, f that might be feel like it's just a filament. It's not even loc it, it might be located, oh, it's located in my, I don't know, my belly button or my kidney or, or whatever it is. But more likely, it's just a sort of place in space, a region in space. And there's this kind of filament of that exquisite peacefulness. And... And 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 that's what you're going with, yeah. So t there's that as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Then one more thing I want to add before, if it's okay. Um, the other the other aspect here is um, yeah. The other the, or the other metaphor is really tuning the receiver. You know. So if we think about tuning a radio receiver, we're, we're thinking about. The, the wavelength changing, there's lower wavelengths, higher, uh, sort of lower frequencies, higher frequencies, you know, on the, on the and really what you're doing in each jhana is really tuning to a particular frequency as much as you're probing a certain point in space. So it, probing a certain point, point in space is very helpful, but that's not really what you're doing. You're really tuning to a certain frequency, and if probing a certain point in space or opening up wide space or filament or whatever helps you lock in and get a sense of that um, frequency that's particular to that jhana or that bandwidth of frequencies, then that's all good. But the, the in a way, the primary thing you're doing is, is focusing on a certain frequency. When you, as I said, the jhanas themselves are, are more and more refined. So one of the things I forgot to ask you when I just asked you a few questions yesterday is, is this state of peacefulness more refined, more... Uh, Let's use the word refined than, let's say, the second and the first jhanas. That's the question now. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah, okay. Because that's also a signal. If you say, well, I'm not sure, then I wouldn't be so sure that you've moved into a deeper state. You know, there might be peaceful, it might be, yes, it's very nice, but 
one of the real markers, apart from the other questions I asked you, and maybe some others I can't think of right now, is, is, is the shift in refinement. And as you shift in refinement, then you have to get skilled at kind of tuning your receiver and, and holding there. And how that happens might be through the probing, might be through the open and with the antennae up, might be through the sense of filament, etc. But you can play with all of that. So is this? Yeah, no, that's, that's really helpful. Addressing, yeah. yeah just add one more thing about because when the um, I think the tuning is is so helpful. It's like it's completely shifted my my thinking about this whole practice actually. Just like this tuning yeah. of the dial. Um, but it seems like you know when there's tuning, there's not, or at least I'm finding it difficult then to also incorporate the enjoyment. I have to sort of I'm tuning and then I'm like, oh no, wait, actually remember to enjoy it as well. Um, any recommendations about how to kind of make sure the enjoyment is there with the tuning? Well, if we turn it around and say maximize the enjoyment, and that's the most important thing, the E on the end of sassy, then you will inevitably find that getting your tuning right is part of maximizing the enjoyment. So it might be just reversing the intentionality. I do think, because um, so many people obviously think of jhana and samadhi as I'm focusing on one point. And, and it's a spatial point. And, and it, even if they don't think that consciously, that's what it becomes. But that's a very limited and limiting, actually, it's a limiting way of understanding what's happening. So I would rather go with this frequency thing. But in terms of intention, you can reverse that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah, just, yeah. I'm, I'm here with this thing. It's like, like I'm listening to a radio program. And I really want to enjoy it. So I, what is that music or whatever it is? I love it, you know. Then I'm going to want to play with that dial just because I love it. I'm just following my enjoyment. You, you understand? It's just part of like, well, I can play with the volume. I can shut my door so I can't hear my, you know, siblings arguing or whatever it is. But um, children, whatever. But um, but that's going to be just part organically part of me just being into it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So it might it might be part of it is just a kind of subtle subtle re reordering the hierarchy of intention at any point. Like I said, sometimes I feel that all you need to do is trust trust this kind of um, wish to enjoy things to the max um, and, and really let that kind of lead sometimes. Um, but let's see if there's anything else. Um, It might be related to something I said earlier, you know, the sense of that or the sense of tuning to the refinement might be helped at different times by tuning in more to the physical, let's say physical in inverted commas, the energy body uh, frequency of that refinement and sometimes more to the mental. Um, but that, that shift might also help incorporate, literally incorporate the, the enjoyment more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, Julia, yeah. Um, I have a question about uh, using insight ways of looking in jhana practice. Um, so... I've been using them as a base practice and noticing that there's some anxiety about how indiscriminately or discriminately I'm using them, like remembering that part of the instruction with them in 
emptiness practice is to use them for everything, like whether something is pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Um, But then some worry about using them for, to to look at well-being, for example, like that that will prevent PT from fabricating. Um, So like, I guess part of what I've been playing with is just sort of using them indiscriminately for a little while. And then once a sense of well-being starts to open up, using them more discriminately, like I found using anatta can help relax some, help help me to open some, um, relax some of the, yeah, clinging or around the well-being that's coming. But yeah, if you have Yeah, thank you. Is it okay? No, it's not okay. How's that? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, Yeah, really important question. Thank you. So... Um, it's a bit like, (laughs) um, uh, what's it a bit like? It's a bit like, again, I'm sure there's a better analogy than this, but (laughs) it's a bit like going down a water slide, you know, one of those theme park things. But imagine this water slide at certain points all the way down, it has turnings off it like like so it goes and but every once in a while it has a turning off to the left a turning off to the right and you can just kind of have you been on one of those yet it you can just (laughs) kind of veer to if you want to the the right hopefully without (laughs) slamming it's not a great analogy um but you get the idea um it's got padded sides okay so um so what, what that means is, yeah, if you use it indiscriminately at first, it's everything that comes up, you said anatta, let's say for taking that as an example, anatta, anatta, whatever comes up. Once some well-being comes up, then uh, if you keep, like l- let's say, if I just started with, I think I gave an example, if I just I got back, back pain, so I just did anatta, anatta, anatta to everything, including the back pain. What would eventually happen was the, the, the pain would, would attenuate, the body sense would start to dissolve, and at some point, pleasure of some kind would come up. Let's say it was PT. So at that point, I've got, okay, I'm sliding down this thing, it's great, and I've got a, a right turn there that I can lean into, which means um, once the PT has built enough, uh, I, can, I can then stop doing the insight practice and, and just subtly or gently, let's put it gently, but completely switch what I'm doing to now I just want to enjoy, enjoy that particular thing, which is the PT. If I, the PT comes up, okay, back pain's uh, gone to neutral and then PT's come up and then the body's dissolving. And then I say, okay, PT, and I keep doing anatta on PT, it will go beyond it. Um, have you found that already? Is, is, is that what's happening? Or, or you're worried that it might yeah, happen? Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. You're worried about it, yeah. yeah it and so w- I find that I'm, I'm not even using it to look at the PT to begin, like, as soon as so- like something in the realm of pleasurable comes up, I just stop, and then sort of things shut down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay. So you, n- you need to find a, 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 a kind of middle ground between being, you know, as the Buddha says, don't snatch at it. Okay, so that's really important. Um, uh, but I, but I, you can also kind of relax. It's like don't 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 worry. You know w- you might overshoot and then you can come back. It might be and this is something I wanted to say to everyone. It might be that you overshoot, and uh, and you find yourself most commonly in 
I don't know, you know, some other jhana. Um, and then uh, either you can work backwards from there, and we can talk about how do you work backwards, hang, or you can hang out there a while, get really used to that, and then work backwards, or that can become your primary playground. So in a way, don't worry. You know, I think the important thing first is to, is to feel like you can um, do this and get a sense of well-being, which at some point you can kind of, you know, steer your body into this thing and then just enjoy, and you make that shift. Exactly where it comes out, I think first things first, don't worry about it. Yeah, first get that confidence. Um, that's really important. And then, and then we can map it, and then we can see, okay, or maybe that becomes, just for example, let's say it ends up being the fourth jhana or whatever. Say, okay, well, let's learn the fourth jhana before we learn the first. Okay, so this is what I said about people who've done different practices. It's actually, and I realize now we have a room full of people here with a lot of practice experience, especially insight experience. So things won't necessarily evolve for everyone in the order one, two, three, four. It may or it may not. But once the PT has arisen, um, you know, don't snatch at it. You, you, may, you may also, uh, the PT has arisen and I'm doing my anatta on something else and the PT is arising. So that's another option. Um, I wouldn't do it so much on the PT itself, you know. Um, it, it, like I think I mentioned, if you do, if you just stay with those insight, with it, they'll take you all the way into the formless realms, and that will probably be just a bit or disorienting for right now, you know. Um, but how does that sound? I'm not giving exact instructions, but I think the most important thing is don't worry too much about it. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you. you uh, yeah, it, that, that's really important. Um, okay, and anything more with it? No, that's good? Okay, great. Someone else back there? Uh, Mikhail, yeah, please. Thank you. Uh, I would like to ask about uh, subtle hindrances. Uh, and uh, yeah, hindrances when it <laughs> that seem to be um, somehow coupled with uh, increasing subtlety. I was I was practicing the second jhana and and doing the same thing as I was doing yesterday. Uh, or what I mentioned about uh, really um, absorbing into it and trying to keep up with the subtlety of attention when the sukha gets really uh, subtle. Uh, and what I've been noticing uh, again and again, after a certain point, um, when it gets really subtle, um, and especially when it starts to sort of lean more towards peacefulness and the third, third jhana, um, I noticed that my attention somehow uh, f um, there arises a bit of like micro micro level sloth and torpor, some uh, micro level tiredness, and when it gets really subtle and towards the peacefulness, um, it more or less um, it just I just get tired somehow and and lose my focus and just like it just falls apart and then I have to reverse come back I might get some energy from 
increasing the sukha or increasing the pity, and then again I would go uh, come to the level of very subtle attention, subtle nimitta, and then it sort of like falls into tightness of yeah. sorts. Okay. So how how could one work with this? I'm wondering as I'm listening, Mikhail, if um, I'm wondering, I don't know if this is correct, but if you could think about two things. One is maximizing the enjoyment as opposed to maximizing the concentration or even worrying about the subtlety, although we talked about that yesterday. The subtle. So, um, and what that, and the, the other thing or mixed with that is, is it possible to keep it longer at a less, at, at a more bubbly level of happiness? which technically is just happiness with more piti mixed in it. Yeah. And let it stay there for much longer with the intention and attitude to really enjoy it more, as opposed to now I'm refining my concentration, now I'm going deeper in the absorption, etc. Yeah. So they're all important factors, but it might be that what's happening, and again, because of your background <coughs> and sort of practice or chitta habits from practice, it might be that it's just going, the absorption and the concentration are deepening faster than the enjoyment is, is deepening. Yeah, and the sort of, you know, I find the Buddha's images so, uh, so accurate in so many ways, his, his similes, it's like, really drink that water from the spring, really, really uh, delight in it, you know, and just, because that's doing something as well. It's giving you energy, but it's also doing something. It will do something uh, uh, to the way it then moves deeper, if you like. So we can it can go deeper through this increasing subtlety. But as you said, sometimes uh, uh, sometimes it gets too subtle, and we're not able to follow it. And sometimes it's not quite the right thing that needs to happen. So I'm going to talk about the second jhana tomorrow. But this is actually quite key. So is that what's the most If you ask me what's the most significant aspect of the second jhana, you know, a lot of, or one might be tempted to say, well, that's where thought stops, the Buddha says. That's where thought stops. So that's a very significant kind of uh, threshold in terms of deepening concentration. Um, I'm going to come back to that. I say, well, it's not as simple as, as we might think what that means. Um, it is important, but I would say in the grand scheme of things, What's much more important is the happiness. Um, bathing in the happiness is doing something to the being. Knowing these different bandwidths of happiness is doing something to the being. Marinating over and over again in that happiness, drinking your fill of happiness, is is in the long term, in its terms of its relation to insight, in terms of its relation, its work that it's doing, in terms of your capacity to let go, in terms of how it's opening the heart in terms of what it's teaching you eventually about perception and malleability of perception, emptiness, dependent arising. That's the key thing. So yes, we said, what's the work that needs to happen in this moment? That's a sort of very subtle question that's going on for any meditator in not every moment, but a lot of moments. And I can, one can say, oh, I really need to focus more. I really need to watch, go, go uh, let, let it subtleize, you know, drop down with the subtlety and corresponding subtlety of mind. I want to be absorbed more. These are all valid choices at any time. But it might be that just delighting in the happiness is actually much more significant. And as I said, it will, 
it will probably deliver you to a slightly different place or, or a very different place. Um, even in terms of the third jhana, when we get to it, it's not in a way you can divide the third jhana into three and all those levels are important. And it, but, but going with the happiness more and really, really enjoying it might uh, help n steer you a little bit better. Does this make sense? Yes, indeed. Yeah, and so and so the second thing is so so to do that. It sounds like you already know, but look, just to add, so so I want to keep the happiness um, r relatively gross. Okay, so it's it's a little bit the opposite of the instructions I gave you yesterday. I um, mean, you can play between the two. Sometimes just keep the happiness more gross. How do we do that? It's part of this tuning. Um, it's part of just an intention to keep it. I want to I keep it in this ballpark, in this bandwidth, yeah? But it's also, sometimes what you can do, it sounds like you already uh, are doing it, is just mix a bit more PT in if it gets too subtle, if it gets too, or rather if it gets too calm. If, it, if the happiness starts to get too serene, you just mix a bit more PT in with it, yeah? Um, eventually, all these different bandwidths of the uh, different jhanas become just accessible without having to, do any tricks, you just kind of remember back to, to this and that uh, level within it. But how does that sound? Uh, yeah, it's it sounds very good and you have been describing some of my experiences already and and just wanted to add that I just realized that many times my second jhana works better when I'm doing it in walking meditation. So it keeps on a grosser level uh, just because of the movement of the body and Right, yeah. So that. that's great. And eventually what we want is that it's not so influenced by posture, walking, sitting, standing, but by intention and this kind of steering. It's all part of the uh, responsiveness and creativity that we're talking about. And, and you can do it by just a little bit more, little bit more PT in the gin and tonic. Um, yeah? yeah? Okay, Thank you. good. I just need to take this off then. I have a couple of questions. Uh -huh. Let's start with the first. I've been working on uh, the first jhana for a few days, and then it felt like I reached your um, mastery uh, definition, uh -huh. and I moved on. But I kind of wonder whether it might have been too fast, because it feels like the, the access to the, all these uh, different aspects of mastery is very dependent on the fact that I do it all the time. And what I would really like to do is to be able to practice jhanas back home on a daily practice, you know, just one hour a day or two, and with all the, the noise of daily life in the background. So I kind of wonder. Yeah, probably, um, you know, access to jhanas is dependent on a million conditions, a million, a lot of different conditions, um, off retreat, on retreat, there'll be lots of different conditions which allow that e each day, each sitting, you know. Um, but one of them is just how familiar it all is, you know, how familiar that PT is. So a lot of those aspects of mastery are just dependent on, on being so 
so repeatedly soaked in something that it's just easy to to summon it and, and etc. So it might it might be yeah longer. Yeah. Then how how would you know? Just like spend more time with what already feels like familiar and uh, stable. It, it might be, but it still might be that you might have, because we talked about you having two or even three playgrounds. So that increasing familiarity, let's say, with the first jhana might happen in parallel at the same time. Uh, in other words, on this retreat with the second and the third, you know, and you're just developing m more and more of them like that um, together, right? In other words, you're still getting familiarity with the first, but you're still getting f developing familiarity with the second as well. Practicing the first when I'm focusing on the second, or no, no, no. I mean, in the course of the day, yeah. you might move between the first and second, but give yourself a generous time in the first and a generous time yeah, in the second. So I gave myself a generous time in the first, and now I move to giving myself a generous time with the second, and uh -huh. I wonder whether I should still be generous with the first, kind of. I guess I what I'm. S I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean. Um, at a certain point, as maybe I'll say tomorrow, you know, what what will happen is it, it becomes almost maybe a little difficult to stay in the first. And as Andy was saying, the mind so much wants to slide, it's almost got a, it's almost got its own agenda and its own wisdom, you know. So it's a it's a tricky question, but there's no reason why you um, can't just continue for a while with three jhanas and move. And it doesn't have to be right. The next three days I'll spend in one. The next three days after that, it's just like today I'll do all three. And tomorrow I'll do all three, and the day after I'll do all three. As to you know what happens in your daily life, it's it's hard to predict because a lot depends on jhanas. I go back to the Buddha's description of the first jhana. It's dependent on seclusion, dependent on withdrawal, but not from people and things. It's dependent from withdrawal from entanglement, withdrawal, seclusion from the hindrances. Yeah. So, so of course, sometimes we're in the life and in our daily life, and we're just entangled in stuff, relational stuff, work stuff, this pressure, that pressure, and the mind is actually more entangled. And and then it's harder to withdraw internally from those pressures. So, And then health things, all kinds of things affect what actually happens. So it's, it's actually hard to predict. Um, I, I don't know, really. I don't... Um, My just intuitive hunch is why don't you let yourself just have three for now? And and they're happening in parallel. So so your day is moving between those three as best as best you can. Maybe roughly equally doesn't have to be. This day is a bit more this one, that day is a bit more that one. And just trust in all of that that, you know, it w it will bear fruit in different ways. It's you know, it's probably the case that whatever you can sort of access regularly on a long retreat is further along than what you can access for most people in, in their daily life. But there's so much individual variation. Thing. So that's just my intuitive kind of hunch. I don't know. Does that sound okay? Okay. Good. Can I ask one sure. more thing? Sure, yeah. Um, so with the, with the first jhana, it was very different than the previous time I practiced the first jhana. In the, like in the ways you said that it was less intense and all that. But also it was like just less less wonderful in a way and like 
the first time I practiced it, uh, like about a year ago, it was really deeply affecting the whole being and very impressive. <laughs> and kind of produced a lot of faith in, in the Dharma. And, and now it's as if like there are some parts of the psyche that are just not interested in it anymore. Um, and they just got, don't get involved. So it's not like the body is suffused with pity and it's not even... Even the consciousness is like can be full of the jhana, but like some parts of the. So, I kind of wonder both: is it important, and can I convince them to join again still, or just say, okay, never mind. Now they are in the second and third jhana, and just it also is it going to happen with each of them? Because. Um. So. Um. It's, it's very normal, I think I mentioned this, it's very normal then to become much less interested in the first jhana after you've tasted, particularly the third. It's, it's very, very normal. Um, and you can go through a period like this. I think one thing is a, a larger view that actually I'm, I'm really wanting all eight jhanas. You know? um, it does get more in, uh, less intense over time, it becomes more mellow, and that's partly by the opening to the third jhana, etc., in the more peaceful realm. So that, that's all normal, you know. Again, if you think about more of a direction rather than a, 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 I'm trying to achieve a certain amount of, of kind of this full involvement, you know, just think, here I am now practicing the first jhana, and maybe it's a little less than I'm practicing the second and third jhana, but when I go there, part of, part of my intention is can I find this really lovely? Can I actually um, um, really get into it? Rather than am I or am I not, it's like it's more a direction. Is it possible to get more, more? Without a sense of did I pass or fail that test of, yeah? It's a subtle difference. It's a direction. Does it make sense? Yeah, I, I don't think it's about, uh, it's not like do I pass or fail. It's just, it feels that some areas are just off kind of not interested in this yeah but your task is to just to give yourself to it more just to just to open to it more it may be that when you've had more to drink from the third jhana etc that your uh, and maybe deeper jhanas, that your relationship with the first jhana is then recontextualized, and you see it in a much as as it, it's it's when it first comes, you, there's nothing else. There's just normal consciousness, or papancha, and the first jhana, and it's you know it's completely the most amazing thing, and it's it's just it's a signal to the being that c- completely other states of consciousness are possible. You know, so it's really going to. Oftentimes, it really makes a dramatic effect, you know, a dramatic impression. Um, as as you go on more, it um, it's more like it just takes its place in a much larger uh, jigsaw puzzle of or mandala of the eight jhanas, you know. And but you still have a sense of this is really valuable. So part of your task is to, in that larger context, really, really kind of can I can I just really find the enjoyment here? And and you you just trying to work in that direction but it probably won't be as dramatic etc etc as it, as it was the first time but that's okay because it's because it's just one part of a much bigger picture Does that? yeah i think so does the same thing happen to the other journals as well or is it just the first because of the third well 
Um, in a way it does. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. In a way it might, but in a way it might be that there's something particular about our relationship with the first jhana. But, but I don't, you'll have to find out. Um, I think there's a way once you have a once you've done more and you have a whole context that you really start to. F- it's almost like having that context puts them. Puts them. It it, ta- it takes the pressure off. You know, having it to be a certain way. Um, um. Does that make sense? What I'm saying about context? It's like you have a larger context, and uh, yeah, it just takes the pressure off. Um, I also think you know if you spend more time, let's say, in the third, then the quality of the rapture is is yummy in a different way. And and so, so you have to kind of find oh, it's a different taste than I was originally used to, and then I said, oh, that's actually really nice, you know. Um, so that might be something. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Oh, Joel. Yeah. Yes. Um, some sometimes the samadhi is quite dry, actually, and um, I recognize myself quite much when you're talking about people who's been quite much in, in uh, traditional insight retreat and being quite used in, for me, it's a space of, it's quite spacious, uh, a lot of equanimity usually, but quite dry actually. And um, no, no big deal, uh, no big clashes. Um, the energy body is quite, yeah, light and... Uh, but not really pleasant, actually, more like neutral. And um, I, I tried different things, like warming the whole thing up with meta and um, pleasure, try to find pleasure, but sometimes there's no pleasure. It seems so, at least. Yeah. So, any advice? Yeah, so <clears throat> this, this is really important. This is why I said it's actually, so the movement to equanimity will be or the tendency to, to find oneself in a sort of equanimous space will be quite common for people who've done a lot of insight practice, etc. The question for our purposes here is whether that equanimity is close to a jhanic equanimity, and there are different kinds of jhanic equanimity, like ones very big ones or smaller ones with the energy body, or whether it's just equanimity and it's not really close to a jhana. Now, what you're describing actually doesn't sound like it's very... It's still a skillful state. It's, you know, much better than being papancha or, you know, whatever. But it's not really close to, equi- it's not really close to a jhanic equanimity. So for some people, actually, what they're describing, they just work their way into it, and actually it becomes something like the fourth jhana, let's say, or whatever. But the sense I get from what you're describing is actually it's not that close. And so rather than trying to go in there first and come back, uh, so th- and convert that to a sort of, equino- you know, uh, fourth jhana. It's actually um, from the beginning try to th- try to think more about PT and sukha and what what will ignite that. So, um, are there are there ways that PT and PT and happiness can 
you know, what, what would bring up pity and happiness? If I asked you that, what would you say? In, in, in other words, not letting yourself go to that state, come something else from the beginning that would... Yeah, I, I mean, in the big picture, I'm going between the third and the second that jhana quite easily throughout okay. the day. Uh, it's not happening all the time, the dried samadhi thing. Okay. Uh, but it does. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, so I, I can com- just come back to the, the first... I mean, I'm a, a bit snobby about the first jhana now, I have to say. Um, and I go easily to the second one. Yeah. Um, it's like... And I, I really love to explore the different subtleties of this jhana. So I really love that one. Uh, it, it became sort of my base... The second. Yeah, the second mm-hmm. one. Good. Yeah. yeah, good. Okay, so it's only going to this equanimity place that's not very jhanic sometimes. Yes. Yeah, okay. When it goes there, bring it back. In other words, at the moment, it's not ripe enough. The others are not ripe enough to turn that into a jhanic state at the moment. You need more time in, in the happiness and the equanimity. As I said, is not quite, but a little related to Mikhail's question. Then they will deliver you to a different kind of equanimity that's much closer to a, to a jhana. Yeah? So when it goes there, <coughs> like I said, relatively speaking, it's a pretty skillful place to hang out. But in terms of, it, it doesn't really sound like it's got in it what will, at the moment, what will allow it to, to blossom into an actually jhanic equanimity of any kind, really. So, um, so when it goes there, fine, just see, oh, it's done that again. And do something to bring back, if you can summon it just by itself, the happiness or, or the peacefulness of the third. Great, just go back. If you can't, then how am I going to get back? You know, um, if I can remember it, if I can add a happy thought in, if I can just have a subtle intention, if I need to go back um, to the base practice or, or whatever. Yeah, but I wouldn't hang out in that at the moment. I wouldn't hang out in that kind of equanimity too much. Yeah. So that's what you're liking, the second and third, and, and you just need more time there. It really works on the being um, gr- gradually, you know, and it does, it prepares something to ripen uh, in its time. So this, this space that you're in now is more a result of your other practice uh, rather than the jhana practice. And, and does it make sense? Yes. Yeah? yeah oh, okay. Thank you. Great. So is that, is that? Lauren, yes, please. So, um, so uh, P- B- I've, I've, I felt your suge- your suggestions yesterday were helpful, and um, uh, I've today been able to work a little with PT well a lot with PT and um two questions about it that feel like coming up today but also coming up in the past when I've worked with PT and the first one is is sort of related to some of these questions around enjoyment and that there so there'll be um Sometimes, especially if I'm working with the breath energy, um, there'll be a, a lot of pleasure. But if I let the breath go and I bring the attention to the PT, to the to what are, are like sensations of tingling and sort of like an effervescence in the body and and like um, 
compression and expansion and sort of like the, the energy body feels har like harmonized, but there's not a lot of pleasure in it. Um, um, so that's one question. And then the other one um, is that is that sometimes when that sort of when that harmonized energy body when the when the, there's a sensation of that sort of coalescing even more or like um, uh, the deepening of the samadhi that they'll be actually pretty frequently sort of like an immediate like my mind will immediately like pull back and be like uh uh no um, don't not go in there and uh, so yeah those are two questions. Um. So I'm I'm struggling a little bit today um, with the medication and things. So so the f the first one I just want to make sure I understand the first one. Um, the first one is you're working with the breath and the energy body, and um, and PT arises, but when you switch to the PT, you find it's not really strong enough to to work with. Is that correct? Well, the pleasure, yeah. So maybe there's. Um, like there's a lot of sensation in the body. There's a lot of like tingling, and that feels like throughout the whole body. But it's not. It's not necessarily pleasurable. It's just kind of odd. Uh, okay. So um, here's an interesting thing. You know, it might be that you need to spend more time working with the breath. You're working with the breath and energy body, right? Yeah, that's yes. your principal practice. Yes. Okay. So it might be you just need more time with the breath and energy body to allow that to j that tingling to become clearly pleasant. It might be. Um, so, or it might be that actually you turn your attention to the tingling, and and you find that what's, you know, whether you perceive it as pleasant or unpleasant. I think I just threw this out very briefly the other day, is is actually something you can play with. You know, you can just decide to see it as pleasant. Um, it may be that that's the case. Um, so it's a bit like when we talked about excitement. It's a bit like sometimes that it's kind of on, an, on, a, on a fence and you can flop it either way. Um, a little bit, it's just odd or it's a bit unpleasant or it's pleasant. And then uh, and you can learn to play with the perception that way. And then, and then it's like, okay, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing again and again until it is established in a kind of flow of pleasantness. But I would try both, you know, both the playing with perception, just decide to see it as pleasant, and also let's just stay a little longer, or maybe even a lot longer with the practice. Let the tingling build up um, and see see if it transforms by itself. Yeah? Um, okay, and the second one was? Um, when the samadhi starts to deepen, then there's like an, an, an like the, the mind Pulls back from pulls that. back from what though the the like sensate the the felt sensations of the deepening or the experience of the samadhi um, the deepening uh, okay but I would I would it, what might be interesting is to get a little more specific is it fear arising at that point if so what exactly yes, yes okay wh what exactly are are you afraid of in that at that moment because samadhi deepening involves a whole whole bunch of different things happening, a whole you know, in bunch of interwoven aspects. So what exactly is it uh, that you're afraid of? Do you, do you have a sense? or? Um, that's a good question. I you might not know now. Yeah. yeah. So that would be something to take yeah. and, and find out. You know, 
Um, there's all kinds of things that a meditator can get can get a little a little bit afraid of, you know, at that point, and the pullback is is maybe coming from fear, maybe. Um, so that would be just an inquiry to take into practice, re- really valuable potentially. Yeah, find out what what is it exactly, and then we can then we can kind of target more specifically what we might need to, t- how we might need to work differently with that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, that feels helpful. Yeah. Why don't we just say that for now? So give it to you as an inquiry, as as something to begin to discern a little bit more clearly. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. I um. Hannah, does it feel like your question can wait till tomorrow, or or is it better to ask now? Do you feel it can wait? Okay, let me just say a few things that have come up in interviews or whatever that might be useful to everyone. Um, first thing, I didn't mention this in the opening talk, but w- I I never said, and I never say on a retreat, don't make eye contact or uh, that kind of thing. So. Some of you will be coming in from other retreats and other forms where that's what you're taught and you're just plugging that in. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I don't consider it a particularly helpful teaching to give or, or uh, kind of guidance to give for, for retreat generally. generally. Um, so you can make eye contact with each other and with coordinators and with whoever else if you want to, when you want to. Um, can, again, can you be responsive to what you need at any moment? Because actually the connection with each other is part of the appreciation, it's part of the mudita, it's part of the, uh, the, the rich soil of what allows samadhi to deepen, right? It may not be that shuffling around slowly s- staring at your feet and being kind of uh, insular like that, it may not open up much samadhi because something might get dry in the heart and feel not connected. Um, but you have to see at any moment what you need because there might be moments where actually you do need to be a bit more inside. Something's going on in your experience or whatever uh, and you need to need to kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm not into that right now. You're not obliged to make eye contact. Eye contact, it gets very complicated psychologically or it can on retreat. Um, you know, what, 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 uh, what's involved in eye contact or what it triggers or what it means or all this. Um, what are my psychological patterns of sort of uh, a- avoiding contact or, uh, or, or or needing it or seeking it? So it can, and we could probably talk for hours on this. I'm certainly not going to, but it's quite complex, you know, psychologically. Um, but we we say one thing: just what do I need right now? And I might need to be a bit more within and a bit more focused for whatever reason. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe it's I'm just working with a certain energy at that point or whatever. Um, but uh, correspondingly, th- if you make eye contact or smile at someone, and they might be in at a moment or at a time when they need to be more insular, and so you might you might come at them with eye contact and a smile, um, without realizing it that you're hoping for a smile back, and they just completely blank you. Um, and if you know if you're not careful, that can be kind of I start to take that personally, and I start to think, oh, they they don't like me for some reason or whatever it is. And the mind just spins with that. So if we're gonna 
if we're going to let ourselves at times make eye contact and be open, you have to be also kind of quite spacious about, am I putting pressure on this situation or expecting or demanding something? And really respect other people's space and their rhythms and what they need. Um, so when we, when we, uh, in response to Karen's question, we're talking about when the Buddha says, you know, he hardly ever says, I said this before, but I'll say it again, he hardly ever says, dependent on really focusing very hard and very steadily on the tip of the nose, the first jhana arises. He hardly ever says that. He says, basically, the standard formula is dependent or, or um, not the word, it's dependent on withdrawal or dependent on seclusion from the hindrances, um, from entanglement, um, the, the practitioner uh, uh, opens uh, and enters into the first jhana. So it's not that we want to close sense contact. I mean, that's one way of doing it, but you might be drying something else up inside. And I said, how much, how much the, the samadhi practice depends on open-heartedness and openness of being. Um, so it, it, this is something, as I said, it's quite, it can be quite subtle, as usual, quite, quite some responsiveness. It's dependent on uh, open-heartedness, but not getting entangled rather than just shutting everything down. So that's part, again, part, part, to me, part of the art and part of the beauty of being on retreat is, is really sensing deeper levels of connection that we can have with each other. Deep sense of communion in silence without talking to each other or having someone listen to my story or whatever it is. And you just get the sense of uh, each person's being and the particularities and the uniqueness of each person's being. And it's just in the vibe. And, and one's open to that and one's sort of uh, cherishing in a way, sensitive to each person's uh, particularities and, and uh, you know, enjoying that. So sometimes we're a bit more like this and sometimes we're a bit more like this, but, but being open and feeling connected is actually quite important, I think, and it's part of the art. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Some of you have probably never been on a retreat where anyone said to not make eye contact. But for a lot of people in the Theravadan Dharma world, that's very, very common. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Um, so if I'm going to be open, etc. again, we go back to related to this in, 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 a, certain, in a certain way, is um, I really need to keep my intention steady. My intention is jhana practice. And that's, that's why we're here. That's what this retreat was set up for. So that I can be open, etc. But uh, but my intention is steady, and that that very steadiness of intention is what allows you to be open. Again, there's a difference between being open and getting entangled, and then getting lost. And my intention has gone somewhere else. Versus, I can be open partly because I'm just really clear about what my intention is. Um, so the intention is is really for jhana practice primarily. Um, and then secondly, this intention, like what, what is my playground? So this should be, this should hopefully get, you know, if it's not clear for you already, it should be getting very, very clear soon. Now some of you, like I said, or like we, when we responded to Karen, are gonna, uh, and I've said in interviews, some of you are gonna have multiple playgrounds at once. So it's not necessarily, oh, it's the second genre, it's the first, it might be. Some of you might be working on two or three at once and partly because of how they interact with each other or what that enables. Um, in other words, for example, like the third jhana might mellow out the 
first jhana. The first jhana is just too intense, and so the second jhana help, helps it a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, it should be getting clear. And, and, and if you feel it's really not clear where your learning edge playground is, really, let's try and get everyone clear with the three of us, with Sari and Robert, really what your playground is, really in the next day or two max. So you really, oh, this is, this is my learning edge playground, yeah? And as I said, for some of you, because of your past experience, it will be a, it will be a kind of multiple playground. That's completely fine. So this is different than teaching a retreat where people are just, uh, you know, starting from the beginning in meditation. Um, do I need to talk, does anyone who's quite familiar with imaginal practice, is anyone getting confused about what the difference is between imaginal spaces and jhanic spaces and things, or is that okay? So I don't really need to talk about that. Okay, good. Um, okay, and then here's a funny thing. Um, and again, it's, it's like everyone brings their own unique psychology, etc., to this. So sometimes we're too easily satisfied as human beings. And a lot of people, what you're running into is too much pushiness. Um, so either I want this to be better, which we've talked about, or what's next, what's next, what's next, what's the next jhana, what's next, I'm ready for the next one. But sometimes we're a little bit too easily satisfied with something that we're, we can already do, and it's nice, and so it's like, okay, well, I'll just stay here. So it's so individual, and it can change at, vari at, you know, at different times, but this is part of the art of the whole thing. It's also like, and, and to check out with a teacher, you know, what's my, I learn a lot about my, my life psychology here, but, it, but you see it in the microcosm of something like jhana practice. Jhana practice reveals a lot because it's inherently kind of goal-oriented. And so we learn, we learn so much about our relationship with goals and, and all that. So some of you, or some of you in some moments, will be being too pushy, and probably everyone has encountered that. Um, but some of you will be a little too easily satisfied with where you are, or where you've been for a while. Um, so again, that's something you might want to bring to interviews and explore a little bit. Um, the interviews, yeah, so they're quite regular, aren't they? They're every other day for people. Um, and really, you know, that if there, I don't know if you've been feeling this, but there's no pressure on the interviews. So don't feel like you have to come in and say something super insightful or interesting or have a big problem or a really great question. I mean, ho hopefully you will have all of those things, but, but you don't have to. And sometimes what happens in the course of a long retreat with jhanas is the practice itself is just kind of plateauing for a while. It's like something's gestating, and then at a certain point it'll just take a quantum leap. Um, so if that's the case at any point, well, I'm going into this interview saying pretty much the same thing I said in the last interview, or reporting the same thing. No problem, just report it. Maybe the interview's a lot shorter, you know, and just checking how you're doing. Maybe one, you know, the teacher will ask you a couple of things or find something that can work with, but maybe it's just shorter. So don't, I don't know if it is arising, but if you feel any sense of pressure for the interviews, um, you, don't, you don't have to. Um, Uh, something I've said before, but it r I think it really bears repeating, maybe in a just slightly different words. So PT, if we're talking about PT, we'll have, we'll have a huge range of how, how strong it is, 
how intense it feels. And in a way, it really doesn't matter. It's got to be strong enough to work with, um, strong enough to get into. Um, but sometimes it can feel relatively weak. Um, and especially, like I said, maybe that's compared to the first few times I experienced it or whatever. In a way, what we want is to be okay with that whole range. You know, okay when it's really very intense. Can I bear that? Can I open to it? Can I actually find that enjoyable? Can I really come into a relationship with it where that's fruitful rather than kind of almost like cringing in relationship to it or holding back or contracting, which would be very normal for most people. But also on the other side, when it's kind of relatively weak, um, can I, it's like, it's fine, it's okay. It's definitely pleasant, but it's definitely nothing to write home about. Um, can I still get into that? Can I learn how to um, work with that relatively unremarkable PT and, and still really get into it and give myself wholeheartedly and see what's possible there? It may not become more intense. I mean, it may become more intense, but as we said with the sassy, the I is not so important. What's important, though, is here is this, in this, in this sitting or this walking, whatever it is, is this PT that's not so intense. It's still PT. Can I stay interested in it? Can I work with it? Maybe what has to happen is I have to actually increase the intensity of my attention. Not the intensity of the PT, but the intensity of my attention. And again, it's like, do I know how to do that? Do I actually get a sense of, of what it feels like to have a very intense attention and a less intense attention and a kind of medium attention? Do I recognize what that feels like? Can I turn the dial on that or the fader switch? Can I have an intense attention without getting a headache? Um, or is it with this slightly weaker PT that I actually need to go into the opening more? And that's what needs to happen. So can I open intensely? You know, we tend to think of intensity as a kind of probing. Well, what would it be to really, really intensely? That's why I use words like surrender and abandon oneself. So it might be that that needs to get more intense. It's not the PT necessarily that gets needs to get more intense, but I need to find the the uh, you know the whole kind of um, of all the aspects of attention, all the different dials there, all the different faders there. Wh what's the maximal uh, setting for each one? That's a way too technical analogy, but I'm playing with all these all these different aspects of attention, playing with all the possibilities there to really make this work, even though the PT itself is not very remarkable. So that in itself is a really useful skill. It's a real, as part of the art. Um, I just want to throw out two things, which I ha hardly mentioned, um, and just in case people who haven't encountered them before are encountering them and are a little... Um, you know, phased by them. So one is, um, I think I mentioned it, did I mention the nada sound? Or I just mentioned it, but I didn't really. So it's, it's pretty common for some people in meditation or common at certain stretches of their meditation life. When the samadhi deepens, in some degree, might be even not, not jhanic, um, to hear a kind of ringing in the ears, a kind of buzzing or a, a, um, that sort of thing. It's very normal, okay? Um, some people take that as a meditation object, and there's a, a couple of different ways you can work with it as a meditation object. You can work with it as a concentration object, and you can work with it in a way that um, is a kind of 
help a platform in insight. But really what I wanted to just say right now is just that it's normal and nothing weird is going on. If you hear a ringing in your ears, it sounds like it's really loud even sometimes. Um, you don't have to take it as an object and if you're fine with whatever practice you're doing, leave it. Just let it be there. It's just something that's going on. It might come and go. It's not a big deal. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your brain or anything like that at all. Um, the second thing that can happen, it happens a lot with insight meditation, uh, and certainly if you're doing these actual insight ways of looking that, we've, that Julia mentioned and I mentioned the other day, um, but it will also happen with samadhi practice is that sometimes after a practice and you look around you or you're walking around and it's almost like everything feels like like you're looking at a wall and it just feels like it's made of paper or it's see-through or it's lost its solidity. Very, very normal. Okay, Not a problem at all. You're not going crazy. It's completely normal. What's going on there is actually really interesting and is something I'll come back to when we really start to talk about insight and jhana more. But just I'm saying both these things about the sound and the, the kind of visual perception of sort of loss of solidity or... Um, that sort of thing, just to r reassure in case in case these things are opening up and you're not used to them. Uh, I think that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. I think that's it. So we have. I don't really know what to do about this uh, note that I just got. Um, I'm not sure if we should try and all decide, but it might be something we should somehow all try and decide together. So um, <coughs> this may not be wise to try and do it this way. <laughs> We're all adults, so yeah. The maintenance department have asked that we flag up to you the potential of setting off the fire alarm if there is much smoke from the Hanukkah candles in the dining room. And to check that they are definitely not left unattended. So I mean, the fire for me, if I just say what I think and then you can tell me what you think, I don't think it's a problem if a fire alarm goes off. It's fine. They know how to deal with it and they'll deal with it. It's probably pretty unlikely. Um, so that's my, my inclination with the first bit. The second bit about unattended, um, I don't know, how long, do they b how long do they burn for, do you think? Oh, is that it? An hour and a half. Okay, so, you know... Um, you can kind of get a sense, if some of you are sitting there in silence with them and practicing, you can just, if you're the only one there, then sorry, you have to stay. If there's a few of you, then maybe you can just communicate, or I'm going to go now, and then person says, well, do you want to come back in 15 minutes and do a rotor or something? Yeah, how does that sound? Anyone got any better ideas with that? I'm glad it's only an hour and a half, because I thought it's not all night. All right, so. uh, does that sound okay? So it's... This doesn't have to be a big deal at all. Okay, great. So let's have a bit of quiet to end before tea. <coughs>
Thank you, everyone. And uh, time for tea. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.